Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. I read from verse 20 to verse 22. Romans chapter 4. Verses 20 to 22. Amen. Romans 4 from verse 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Verse 21. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Verse 22. And therefore it was imputed to him for what? Righteousness. Amen. Last Sunday, we started looking at a topic we called the promises of God. The promises of God. And after we defined what a promise is as a noun and as a verb, we began to look at what we call the attributes of God's promise. And the first attribute that we discussed is the fact that the promise is unto all. The promises of God are for who? For all. For all. And I remember we looked at Acts chapter 2 verse 39. That clearly states that for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And that means the promise is for you and I. Not only is the promise for us, it shall be fulfilled in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Then the second point we look at is that the promise is a word. The promise is what? It's a word. So when we're talking about the promise of God, we're talking about a word of promise. A word that the Lord has given unto us. And we dwelt at length unto that. Because if you are going to hold on to God and say you made this promise, you must be able to say, Father, this is the promise. This is where it is. It is in your world. It's very important. And we said, the scripture says he honors his word. Above what? Above his name. So you can always hold him to his word. And say, Father, your word says. Remember Jesus when he confronted the devil. And Satan was tempting him. Every response that Christ gave was what? It is written. What Jesus had, you have today, and even more. It is written. And the written word will work for you in Jesus' name. Amen. And then the third point we made last week was that the promise is in him. And we say it's in him. Who is he? It's in Jesus. All the promises of God in him are yea and amen. So says the word of God. And the Bible makes us to understand. That Christ in you is what? The hope of glory. The hope that you have. The belief that you have. Everything that we have is because of Jesus Christ. It's because he's in us. That is the assurance that we have. The promise is in him. So we want to continue today looking at those attributes of the promise of God. Before going into any specific or individual promises. And the fourth attribute we want to look at. Is that the promise of God is obtained by four things. 
Four things. What are those four things? Faith, patience, endurance, and being fully persuaded. What did I say? Faith, patience, endurance, and what? Being fully persuaded. The Bible says in the passage that we read, that he staggered not at the promise of God. Who was this passage referring to? Abraham. God gave him a promise. And even though physically everything was contrary to the promise that God gave him. But he did not stagger at that promise of God. Through unbelief. He did not allow unbelief to come in. But was strong in faith. Giving glory to God. And verse 21 says... And being fully persuaded. Brethren, you must be fully persuaded that what God has promised, he is able to perform. That's a question you must settle within yourself before we continue. Because if you are not persuaded that God can do what he has promised, then there's no need. You cannot even apply faith. Can you? Because you are not persuaded that God can do it. Abraham was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to do. You must be fully persuaded that the word that the Lord has given unto you, he is able to do against all odds. Is that not so? Against all odds. Even when everything that is facing you says to the contrary. You must be able to say, well, God said it. And what? I believe it, and what? So shall it be. That settles it. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Those are the statements of a man, a woman, that is what? Fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. And brethren, either Corona likes it or not, what the Lord has promised for us as a church shall come to pass. The promise of God for this year shall come to pass. Either the devil likes it or not, the promise for God, of God for us as individuals, as families, shall what? It shall come to pass. It shall be fulfilled in Jesus' name. So the promise is obtained, number one, by being fully persuaded of divine performance. If the Lord says he will do it, he will surely do it. We can hold him onto his word. Then we say the promise is obtained. With patience. With what? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12. It says that ye be not slothful. But followers of them who through faith and what? Faith and patience inherit the promise. In other words, brethren, faith and patience, they do what? They go together. If If you are not patient... You won't be able to, I mean, you will throw faith away. And that's why some of us, at some point, what we call faith is tending towards covetousness. Faith must be accompanied by patience. Look at Abraham. At the age of, was it 70, God called him? God gave him a promise. He kept on to that promise. There were distractions along the way. And one distraction was who? Was Ish- Ishmael was a distraction. It, it's true. 
Ishmael was not the promise that God gave him. And that's why we have uh, very serious distractions in the world today. <laughs> the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. But at the age of 100 years old, the promise was fulfilled. Brethren, though it tarries, what happens? Wait for it, it shall come to pass. You need patience. You need patience. Don't throw your patience away. Hebrews chapter 10. We know it very well. 36 to 37. 36 to 37. It says, for you have need of patience. That after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. After you have done what? The will of God. So there is a promise. There is a will of God that accompanies the promise. After you have done the will of God, you need to be patient for yet a little while. In other words, not much longer. He that shall come will come and will not tarry. The promise of God for you will come in Jesus' name. There is no further tarrying in Jesus' name. The Bible says in your patience, do what? Possess ye your souls. Possess ye your souls. That's Luke chapter 21 verse 19. The walking of patience brings hope that maketh not ashamed. In other words, when you are hopeful because of what the Lord has said, there is no shame on your part. And I look at you seated here today. I look at you with the eye of the Spirit watching me online. There is no shame in your face. Amen. There is no shame on your path. Amen. Hope maketh not ashamed. You hold on to the word of God. You are patiently working on it. It shall come to pass in Jesus' name. Amen. I say it shall come to pass in Jesus' name. Amen. You know what? Be before the end of this year, there's a glorious testimony coming up. Receive it in Jesus' name. In Romans chapter 5, verse 3 to 5, he said, And not only so, but with glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh what? Patience. And patience experience. And experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. The working of patience brings hope that maketh not ashamed. It was the impatience of Sarah that led Abraham to Hagar and resulted in the birth of Ishmael and the ensuing problems. Before Ishmael was born, if you go to Genesis chapter 16, from verse 11 to 12, before he was born, it was said of him that he will be antagonistic and he will fight all. That's there in the scriptures. Before Ishmael was born, the word of God says he would be antagonistic. Genesis chapter uh, 16, verse 11. He will be a wild man. His hand will be against what? Every man. And every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Is that not what is happening in the, in the world today? This was a result of impatience. In other words, impatience has consequences. It doesn't mean God will reject you. God did not reject Abraham. Abraham is still the, the earthly father of our Lord Jesus Christ. But that, I mean, demonstration of impatience had consequences. Consequences. I pray that we will not reap the wages of sin in Jesus' name. The next thing we need to take note of is that the promise is obtained with faith. With what? 
with faith. I'm sure we all know that. Faith has been defined as the currency of heaven. Faith is what? You want to get anything from heaven? You come before God with what? With faith. Faith is that which you can use for any exchange with God. That's what you bring before him. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 9. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 9. The Bible says, By faith he saw John in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Verse 13 of that same Hebrews 11. He said, These all died in faith, not having received the promise or the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. Remember where we started from, brethren? Are you persuaded? Are you persuaded that what God has spoken, he will bring to pass? Have you persuaded that God will do what he has said he will do? Brethren, there's a changing order. God is changing things. God is changing situations. Some people that were highly elevated, what's happening to them? They are coming down. Some people that are very low, people are looking down on them. What's happening to them? God is lifting them up. God will lift you up. I said, God will lift you up. But you must be fully persuaded that what God has spoken, he will, come, he will bring to pass. Now, you, you are not just persuaded. Look at it. He was persuaded, or they were persuaded. They embraced them. They did what? So, they made the confession of what God has promised part of their life. You don't wake up in the morning and start confessing negatively. How are you, brother? Ah, and well, you know, it is complaints round number two. You complain to others, you complain to yourself. And so you complain to who? You complain to God. How will God do it? Do you know, some of us, we meet with people that want to help us. But they look at your countenance and they say, no, it cannot be this one. Your countenance drives them away. You must embrace, number one, be fully persuaded of the promise. Embrace it and do what? Confess it. Confess it. The Lord has said of me, I will do what? I will be the head and not the tail. And I start upon that word of God. I what? I am the head and not the tail. The word of God says, I will prosper in this land. And there's no alternative to my prosperity. That's why there's no alternative. To my prosperity. The Lord has said, I will make impact in this land. Tell somebody, I will make impact in this land. I will not die on song. Somebody does not believe that. Do you know the meaning of that? <laughs> you know, like the adage our parents will say. They say the, the sky is what? It's, no, no, it's, this one is not limit. They say the sky is big enough. For all birds to do what? The fact that I will not die on song does not mean anybody has to die on song. Is that not so? Brethren, we can all be accomplished. 
That is the joy of what God wants to do in this church. He is looking for men and women that he will showcase. Say, have you not heard of that brother? Yes, so. Why do you keep calling him brother? Say, he's a member of our church now. True. What of that sister? In fact, before you even say, oh, she's also a member too, say, yes, so you are missing something. You better join us. You will be a glorious testimony in Jesus' name. Fully embrace them. Fully persuaded, embrace and confess it. And when you go to that Hebrews chapter 11, verse 33, the Bible says, who, through faith, they did what? They subdued kingdoms. They wrought righteousness. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouth of lions. The, the things that are listed in that verse, they are very diverse. Is that not so? Very diverse. And that should tell someone that there's no limitation to what God can do through you. If only you believe. That's why I love, uh, I believe it's John chapter 11. I don't know if that's 40 or verse 45. That says, if you believe, you will do what? You will see the glory of God. Which, which verse is it? 40. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. The question is, do you believe? Ask somebody, do you believe? Look at what the Bible says here. True faith, they subdued kingdoms. Subdued kingdoms. This is not a one-on-one -on -one battle. True faith, they wrought righteousness. In other words, when you stand there saying it's not possible to, to live a righteous life, the Bible says it's because you, don't have, no, you have no faith. True faith, they wrought righteousness. True faith, they obtained promises. We're talking about whose promises now? The promise of God. True faith. When you stand upon the word of God and say, Lord, this is what your word says. I stand upon that word. That which is in the word becomes yours. That's what this that passage is saying. It's in the word. It becomes yours. Because you have the faith, you can get it. And true faith, they stop the mouth of lions. Every lion that is roaring against you, the lion of the tribe of Judah will fight for you in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says Christ hath redeemed us in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 to 14. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, verse 14. That's where we're going. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through, through Jesus Christ. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Through what? Through faith. There's a promise for you and I. There's a blessing for you and I. But we can only step in and appropriate it and receive it. Through what? Through faith. Through faith. That same Galatians chapter 3 verse 22. Galatians 3 22 says, But the scripture had concluded all on the same, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. I need to emphasize one thing. That when we are talking about faith, and this is very key. Remember one of the points we might uh, talk about the promise is that the promise is, I mean, the promise of God is a word. So when we are talking about faith, we are talking about faith in what? In the word. Faith that is backed by the word. Faith that is predicated on what the word of God says. So that you can take that word, 
You can run with it. You can, I mean, you will shame the devil with your word of faith in Jesus' name. That's very important. Your faith, I mean, it's good to hear other people's testimonies. But that is only an encouragement. That's not the basis of faith. The basis of faith is what? It's the word of God. It's the word of God. That's what you can take to him at any point in time and say, Our Father, your word says. And I stand upon that word. And that promise becomes personalized. Becomes, somebody will say, internalized. Yes, that's the word. Becomes internalized. Becomes yours. And it begins, I mean, and the fulfillment begins to come forth. The faith we are talking about here is not passive. But it's what? Active. Active. You must put it to practice. You must act in faith. You must do something to actualize your faith. Not just I believe, I believe. A very simple example I would normally give. You believe God will give you a job. But you are not applying. You are not sending out your resume to anyone. And you believe God will give you a job. So those that will give you a job, they will bring the letter to you in your house. Without doing anything. You need to take a step of faith. That's very important. It is not passive. It is active. In Mark chapter 11, we know that passage very well. Mark 11, from verse 22 to verse 24. Mark 11, 22 to 24. The Bible says, Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. And then he now explained what he means. He said, I say to you, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he had said shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he said. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, what happens? You shall have them. So you have a desire, it's backed by the word of God, you pray about it. You speak the word. You demonstrate that you believe the word you have spoken. Or the word that the Lord is speaking unto you. And he says you will have them. I think uh, the, the, the ministry of uh, uh, pastor, is it pastor Kenneth Hagin? Is it pastor you call him? Or reverend? Or prophet, whichever one. The late Kenneth Hagin. His ministry revolved around this Verses we have just read. He said when he was on the bed of affliction. At the age of 17. When they've given up all hope on him. He was paralyzed on one side. And it was like there's no way forward. And then he read this passage. And said this word of God is a word unto me. I believe the word of God. I believe I'm healed. I believe that I will, re- I, I will yet rise again. I will share the word of God. I received my healing. And he said the following day at 10 a.m. in the morning, his, his, his room was by the window. Vehicles were going by the, um, uh, behind the window to and fro. And I said, God ministered to him and said, You say you believe you are healed. People that are healed don't lie in bed at 10 a.m. in the morning, sleeping on their bed. He said, That challenged him. His leg was paralyzed, but he stood up. Now he stood on the bed and he used his two hands. To throw down the leg that was paralyzed. Because there was no feeling in it. Brought the other leg. Held on to the, to the, to the bed post. You know, 
uh, these days our children may not be familiar, but you know some of those, those beds that you have this long? And he held onto the bedpost and he tried to stand up. The leg was paralyzed. But what happened? He began to feel very serious pains in the leg that was paralyzed. What does that tell you? The, the paralysis was going. The pain was serious. <laughs> but the man knew the meaning. He stood up. He stood up. The Lord healed him. He had faith. He believed the word of God. But he, the, that's, I'm, trying to, I'm demonstrating the fact that this faith is what? Is active and not passive. He had faith. He believed the word of God. He had to put it into practice. He stepped down from that bed. He stood up. And he never went back to that bed of affliction. And if you are on any bed of affliction, the Lord will raise you up today in Jesus' name. Amen. You must put that faith to practice. How do you obtain this promise? The other word we mentioned is endurance. 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 James 1, chapter, 12, I mean, chapter 1, verse 12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Do you love God? That's a question for one here today. Do you love God? If you love God, you must endure. Endure. When Paul was speaking to Timothy, he said like a, a good soldier, do what? Endure hardship. Endure. There will be challenges. That shouldn't make you to give up your dream. That will be challenges. That shouldn't make you to throw away that promise. Oh, there will be days that where things look impossible. But remember, your faith is in the world. And what does the word of God say about impossibility? With God, all things are possible. With God, nothing shall be impossible. The word of God says, he said, I, I am the God of all flesh. Is what? Is anything too hard for me? So it's not about, about, is it hard for me or not? But your God is asking you that question. Is anything too hard for me? So when it looks as if it's getting too hard for you, God is saying, is it too hard for me? If it is not too hard for your God, remember we said the promise is in who? In him. And where is he? It's in you. I mean, it's not too hard for him. And if he's in you, can it be too hard for you? Tell somebody it's not too hard for me. Tell the person, it's not impossible for me. The Lord will do it in Jesus' name. It shall come to pass in Jesus' name. So that is point number four. On the, the attribute number four. The promise is obtained by faith, endurance, patience, and being persuaded. Now the fifth point. And I think we are going to maybe stop on this fifth point. The fifth point is... His promises are holy. His promises are what? Holy. That tells you right away. You know the Bible says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And the Bible says what? God forbid. His promises are holy. You cannot come, I mean, uh, uh, with a rag of filthiness before him and say, oh, you have to fulfill your promise. The first promise that needs to be fulfilled with such a rag is to turn it to the cloth of righteousness by giving one's life to Christ. His promises are holy. In Psalm 105 verse 42, 
Psalm 105, verse 42. The Bible says, For he remembered his holy promise. And Abraham is servant. He remembered what? His holy promise. His promises are holy. His promises are holy. In Luke chapter 1, verse 72, the Bible says, Luke 1, 72, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. I remember last week when we were speaking with them, a covenant is what? It's a promise. It's a promise. Luke 1, 72, to remember his holy covenant. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us do what? Cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. The promises have been given. The promises have been released unto you and I. And it shall come to pass in Jesus' name. Your life will not be one of those in which these promises will fail in Jesus' name. Amen. Now you must remember, brothers and sisters, that the, His promises are holy. They are holy. There is a promise of divine performance. You know, the scripture says, He that covereth his sin shall do what? Shall not prosper. When you think you've gone astray one way or the other, run back to Him. I didn't say run to the pastor. I didn't say run to the priest. I didn't say run to the bishop. Run to who? Run to God. Run to Jesus. He created you. He knows you. So that those little, little sins, you know what the Bible calls them? The little flies that spoil the, 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 the oil of the apothecary. In Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 1, those little, little flies, they make the holy anointing oil to stink. Don't let those little, little flies, don't let them distract from you. Don't let them take away what God wants to do for you. Oh, don't let them take away the promise that is about to be fulfilled. Maybe you've gotten to that point that God is saying, strike forth your hand and receive. And what happens? One of those distractions comes in. And you begin to blame yourself and defeat yourself and cry. Uh, and God is saying, I'm waiting for you. Do what? Strike forth your hand to receive. All you need to do. There's something called uh, uh, godly sorrow. It's to tell him, Lord, I'm sorry. Where were we? Let's continue. He's waiting for you. He's ready for you. That's our God. He's a God of love. His promises are holy. Whatever can be a distraction to the holiness of his promise, cast it away. Because fulfillment is, is your portion. And you will, you will enjoy it in Jesus' name. I said divine fulfillment will be your portion in Jesus' name. 